As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Well, across Europe's major leagues, Germany's top flight is perhaps the most exciting this season. It, it is 11 years since a team other than Bayern Munich were champions, but this year... At the moment, the top four teams are separated by four points and four German teams are in the last 16 of the Champions League. Why is the Bundesliga so competitive at the moment? And more importantly, will it last? I'm Mark Chapman. This is the Athletic Football Podcast. I'm tired of the Bundesliga, truly. I'm tired of it. I know Bayern are better. I know that. And I know they know that, right? I know that it's always going to be an uphill battle when you're playing a team like Bayern. But it's like, come on. Iago down! And there's the breakthrough for Augsburg! Berisher! A loss against Augsburg, our first in the season. Four games, zero wins in the Bundesliga. That's not good. Bueno, Gittens auf Guerrero. In Zentrum zu Brandt. Die Freiburger sind offen. Brandt, in den Pfosten, Tor! 69. Minute, 4 zu 1. Ein klasse Angriff. Now the angle. Soboslai! Soboslai smacks a beauty past Alexander Meyer. Schengen attacks the near post. It's beyond him. With the Bundesliga title race, the tightest it's ever been since the three-point rule was introduced in 1995, Bayern were looking to send a message in a top-of-the-table clash with Union Berlin, a side riding high after knocking Dutch giants out of Europe in midweek. Joining us today from The Athletic, our German football writer Rafa Honigstein and also Seb Stafford-Bloor, who's based in Hamburg. Bayern are top, but it's exciting. It's exciting for what, maybe not for Bayern fans, Raf, but a, a bit of bit of competition. I think even Bayern fans might find it secretly exciting, even though they won't admit it. And maybe the club themselves as well. Although they, if you were to say to them, you know, after 10 years in a row, would it kill you? 
to not win the league, they would say, absolutely, <laughs> yes, it's out of the questions. We have to win. And there's great disquiet about the fact that they aren't already in a better position. And there was a bit of a crisis going into this game against Union, which they absolutely had to win to defend their, their slender lead. But I think it's a combination of things. Bayern have shown uh, untypically weak performances and maybe that's due with the effect of the World Cup. Oliver Kahn said they've been two Bayern teams, one before before the World Cup, one after. I'm not sure if that really is the, the biggest explanation, but it might be one of the factors. But also, as you, as you hinted at, a genuine strength below them. Uh, there's consistency from Dortmund that we haven't seen in years. They now have won every single competitive game since the winter break, nine in a row, seven of them in the league, to really make up that ground on Bayern. Leipzig have looked really good. Then you have those new teams that have broken into that phalanx of uh, the top sides and Freiburg and Union and even Frankfurt going strong. So there is decent quality below Bayern. But it has to be said, Dortmund were on the exact same points last year and that was seen as a poor season. The difference was that Bayern were just miles ahead and this time they're not. We've got Bayern on 46 and Borussia Dortmund on 46, Seb. Union Berlin on 43. We'll come to them more specifically in a little while. Uh, Leipzig are on 42. I, I mean, I left Freiburg out, who are fifth. I mean, they're only five points off it as well on 41. So what, so what you have is a kind of mix of the, the powerhouses and some surprises. Yeah, it's a kind of something for everybody title race, Mark, because... I think depending on what kind of fan you are and how you watch football, there's something that you can gravitate towards and something that you would, um, yeah, that would resonate with you. When you see this sort of situation developing, you don't really believe it. There's always that sort of voice in the back of your head which thinks, well, eventually something's going to happen which is going to allow Bayern to, to pull away. Also in the back of my mind, I'm wary that we haven't seen, a, I suppose, a, a true Bayern Munich for a few months now. And you're wondering where those extra gears are. At the same time, um, if you go through some of those challenging teams, for instance, and wonder what would happen to to Dortmund if they were to lose Jude Bellingham for any length of time, or Union Berlin. Union Berlin are a wonderful story, but um, they're also a, a team of precision. So they're a team of great efficiency who outperform their expected goals and who um, also are in the kind of lucky, unlucky situation of having to balance uh, unexpected Europa League duties in the knockout rounds with a Bundesliga title challenge and a race for the, for the Champions League. And Bayern are really the only side amongst that group who are equipped to shoulder that burden this time of year. So it's, I don't want to be a buzzkill, but I'll believe it when I see it. I think you've lived in Germany for so long now. You've uh, taken on <laughs> <laughs> the traits of my compatriots. I've, I, I've developed that despondency. Given yeah. the history of the last decade, it's only natural to assume, isn't it, Seb, that that, that, that is what's going to happen. I mean, you can't be alone. In, in killing the buzz around the Bundesliga in Germany. I mean, there must be a sense, wherever you are, that the inevitable will happen. Well, I think so. I mean, even though I know about 10 people in Germany who I'm not <laughs> married or related to, yes, yeah, so I, I would imagine that's the case. But also, I think one of the factors and one of the, the basis for that is not just the history, but if you look at how transient the construction of some of those other teams are, for instance, Union, I think the average stay of a player at Union Berlin is around 2.3 years, something like that, something something similar. You don't quite have the same chemistry. You don't quite have the same depth. 
Dortmund are another instance. Like I'm obviously not quite sure sort of what lies um, in Jude Bellingham's future, but I would say sort of their, their resurgence after the Winterpause has been partly to do with Sebastian Hilaire's comeback and the, the emotional lift that's provided. And he's a new player. And Jamie Bino Gittens has re-emerged into the team. So you have these kind of um, pulses of optimism and form that come into a side. Whereas at Bayern, there's a kind of a state of permanence. You have sort of the sacred cows of previous title challenge, title winning sides who understand what it's like to go through March, April, May, deal with the Champions League. Also, I think obviously something that Ref will know very well, but something that surprised me, I never really appreciated how total the focus was on Bayern Munich until I lived in Germany. Um, I come from obviously a country of four Bayern Munichs, maybe six sometimes. Whereas here, being a Bayern Munich player seems akin to actually playing a different sport because you're focused on in a way that other teams just aren't. And I think with that comes a sort of the capacity perhaps to deal with the pressure that that arises in this sort of situation. That's I'm, that's theory and speculation, but that's that's how it seems to me after a couple of years. It's absolutely right. Um, Thomas Müller once said to me something that was almost sad. He said, we win on Saturday to be left alone at the weekend because winning hmm. is not really something joyful or an achievement. It is the bare minimum that you need to do at Bayern. And that, of course, provides its own challenge. But because this team and this club have been so relentless and have made winning their raison d'etre, even when they're having a, an indifferent season, it is hard not to back them. They also have more quality than, than anyone else by with, with quite a distance. If you look at the fact that they can leave players like Serge Gnabry and Leroy Sané on the bench and then still have Lucas Hernandez uh, and Sadio Mane uh, out or coming back there is just a lot of ways to win to win games but there is also a sense that the, the shall we say that the harmony between Julian Nagelsmann and Bayern as a team could still be improved that there are points of friction and that the Champions League and that PSG game next week will really depend where things go because of course Bayern can win the league and maybe it will mean more because it was a tight race but if they get knocked out by PSG everything that happens after will be seen as a consolation prize as it did last year when they got knocked out by Villarreal. If they do get knocked out by PSG I mean do the wheels come off? The wheels come off if they then lose their way domestically as well. If they muddle through and win the title, I think then the club will say, okay, let's try and learn from the mistakes, but maybe Julian Nagelsmann will not last the full full five years that he signed for, which is a long contract to begin with. And the doubts and the um, yeah, the lack of credit will determine how the next season will, will be approached. But I don't see any immediate danger for Nagelsmann. It's just more sort of a midterm thing. A, a verdict on him as a Bayern player, as a Bayern coach, will always come in those big Champions League games. And unfortunately for Bayern, this one has come so early. They would have expected, you know, a crunch game like that to come in the quarterfinals, maybe in the semifinals. But it could all be over in the beginning of March, which then makes it a long two and a half months where Bayern have. Yes, of course, something to play for, but they only play, again, to be left alone rather than to win. And that might pose its own problems. Tell us about Union Berlin then, uh, Seb. You've uh, you watched them knock out Ajax in the Europa League. You've written about them for the Athletic. Where do you want to begin with them? 
think maybe the misconceptions, Chappers, because I think they've been they've been almost labelled as a uh, as a sort of hipster left wing club, as a as a Berlin version of St. Pauli, and it's it's not really true. I mean, um, one of the things that I mean, I like a lot of people. I'm, I'm a prisoner of my education, and my view of reunification was, you know, formed in a, a Western classroom, and. I got the opportunity to go down to the um, Union Hotel in Amsterdam before they played their first leg against Ajax and and speak to a few people there and and learn a little bit about what it was like to come from East Germany. And also one of the, the uh, assumptions they were keen to defeat was that the moment the wall came down, everybody ran over it and was desperate to be in, in West Germany. And also, and I, I, I really haven't scratched the surface of it because it's a massive topic, but it's also... The idea that you took two halves and formed a whole new country is just, it's a little bit of a fallacy because it, it's really more like one country was grafted onto another. And in minds of some people who grew up in East Germany, um, they're expected to conform to a new way of living. In that sense, you know, as fan base is a kind of mess of different perspectives and reference points. And um, it's full of people um, now increasingly because of their, you know, their success and popularity. It's full of people who grew up behind the wall, grew up after the wall fell. Um, some people who have no ties to East Berlin or Berlin itself, or even some, in a few occasions, Germany. And so you have this kind of melting pot of people who gather under the umbrella of a club where, in the minds of a lot of people, and this is a kind of verbatim quote, the football is what's important. La Union aren't a club who tell people what to think in their mind. They're not, you know, this is not what you should believe in. This is not what you should, how you should hold yourself. The football is the center of everything. And, and that manifests in interesting ways. Like if you go to Union, Union's ground, which is the most beautiful place. It's like, um, it's like one of those screensavers you find on your television, like of a sort of small Austrian <laughs> town. It's, it's, you know, full of water and, you know, glassy lakes and forestry. It's, it, Copenhagen is stunning. But if you go there, um, there's no goal music. You know, when the score changes, somebody leans through the window of a sort of a brick hut to change it manually. And, you know, throw-ins and corners aren't sponsored. And there's a little bit of a controversy a couple of weeks ago because the club mascot um, joined in a celebration and that wasn't really supposed to happen. And, you know, so it's the football rather than... I, I know we can get kind of in our search for sort of new footballing utopias we can get a little bit um, trigger happy with our labels. And I think that might've happened with Union, but it's a, it's a very, very interesting experience. And from a football perspective, a miracle. It would be remiss of me not to mention Kit Holden's wonderful book about them, um, about their history and their, kind of their formation and um, sort of the different factors that go into their present. Um, definitely read that if you're more interested. Is there a romantic, and, and I realize I'm doing exactly rough here what Seb said about, you know, you sort of learn about the reunification of Germany from a from a Western classroom, but is there a romanticism about Union Berlin? 100%, but I think, as Seb said, it almost exists outside politics. I think going to Union is like going back in time. The stadium looks like something from the 1980s. The crowd have a in the politest way possible, a sense of aggression about the about them. Uh, there is a bit of tension in the air. It does feel very much like I remember going to Leeds United when they were in the third division, and it feels a little bit like that. There is a tremendous pride, uh, a sense of us against the world, and yes, the East West German East Berlin West Berlin thing comes into it. But you can, I think it enjoyed independently of that and I think a lot of people who are attracted to this are not really attracted to the to the politics and the backstory and of them being marginalized in uh, in the old GDR but what it means for a club that was still in 
what was it, Division 4 in 2006, to now be on the verge of playing in the Champions League um, without, and this is the big thing, this is the German miracle that Seb is describing because this is not come by way of a sheikh in Abu Dhabi who says, you know, Union Berlin, hmm, yeah, always liked them. Grew up in, uh, grew up uh, supporting them, and uh, it'd be amazing. It'd be amazing to to do something, or or some you know German big corporation buying them, or do what you know Red Bull have done with Leipzig. No, this is the most organic progress uh, and success possible. And of course, also, if you then go to ne- to the next step, a kind of vindication of the German model, because the German model with its uh, emphasis on organic growth makes it very difficult for clubs like Union or Freiburg to actually go to that level. They have to get things right over a tremendous amount of time to be in a position to compete. But it shows that it can be done. And that's why I think even within Germany, people who might not like them as a club as such, they like what they stand for. They like the idea that, look, it it is possible. There's a permeability in the system and you can get into the Champions League just by by way of just being smart and doing good things and having a great crowd. Two-part question off the back of that then, Seb. Are they the... And I realise you only talk to 10 German people, <laughs> but are they the... Um, are they the um, neutrals' favourite? Uh, is, that, is that who Germany will get behind, firstly? And has the arrival of Union Berlin and Freiburg into this top five, where you also have RB Leipzig and Borussia Dortmund and Bayern, instigated again the whole ownership debate in Europe? Part 1A, I, I'm i not entirely sure. I, I'm fairly confident in saying that RB Leipzig are not a neutral's favourite um, in the title race. Um, I imagine there's a... I mean, obviously, Borussia Dortmund are an enormous club. And also, um, internationally, there's a lot of brand recognition with... Dortmund because of the Jurgen Klopp years, because of Thomas Tuchel, because of what followed and the brand of football and also Jude Bellingham. Um, I don't know whether um, the Union story is widespread enough to kind of challenge that, but I think in terms of a relatability, it has a Leicester, Leicester City quality on a superficial basis. If you read between the lines of what Leicester City did and how they did it, I would say Union's a, a very different type of tale. Um, I think... Let, let me let me let me let me cop out with my answer. I think Union winning the Bundesliga would be a fantastic rebuttal for people who um, denigrate the Bundesliga um, and who write negative things and who talk about um, who ignore a lot of German football's virtues that I'm still really learning about now in favour of the kind of the Bayern Munich narrative and the sort of the one league boring what's what's the point kind of um, refrain that seems to accompany German football. Has it then reignited discussions and debates about? ownership not only within the Bundesliga but across Europe. Raf? I think if they were to win it we might have a wider debate and it would vindicate the, the German model and would definitely I think more internally than externally make it harder for people who want to change the existing setup and allow more investment and allow people to take over clubs. I think they would find it harder to make that argument. The Bundesliga at the moment are trying to bring in new money uh, one way is to change the system. One way is to basically sell parts of the TV rights to an investor, which is really just mortgaging you know, some of the money that's going to come in for, for an immediate hit. 
but will that really change anything apart from giving clubs an extra 10 million euros each it's hard to say but of course every sporting competition needs the element of fantasy and and something unexpected happen and something unforeseen happen now if you could go from Bayern not winning the league in, uh, for the 11th time to actually Union Berlin winning it instead, that would be the biggest possible change of script and twist in the plot imaginable and therefore I think very welcome. But like Seb, I'm not sure many neutrals really have huge feelings about it because first of all, I think football doesn't produce many neutrals to begin with <laughs> and most of them <laughs> I think would would probably gravitate towards Dortmund because they maybe see them as a more realistic proponent sorry opponent as well as a proponent but opponent for Bayern uh, and to challenge this Bayern hegemony if if it was Union it would be a fantastic story but probably wouldn't really change anything in the bigger scheme of things. If it was Dortmund, it might just give them the push to establish themselves on a more even keel with Bayern for the next few years. And that would definitely help the league and even Bayern, I would argue, themselves. This episode is supported by season three of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Where is the internal discussion at in German football on club ownership? And, you know, a subject that we've talked about a lot on this podcast, but always from a Real Madrid, Barcelona, Premier League and Juventus point of view with the European Super League. We've never really discussed it from the German perspective on this podcast. So the fans, by and large, are still very much against it. And the fans are in a position because of the existing structure to determine uh, the way certain things are done 
you couldn't go against the fans' wishes without fear of being voted out as a chairman in most of these clubs. So the clubs have to be very careful if they argue for this to not to go against the wishes of, of the members. And because we don't have that interesting dynamic that we see now, for example, with Man United, where you clearly have a split between the more localized fans and sections of the fans from abroad who don't understand what the problem is. If there is a new owner with lots of money, what does it matter? They will love the team even more if they have more money. That kind of split doesn't really exist because in Germany, the club still very much exists for the members, first and foremost. Yes, they want to make more money. Yes, they want to be successful. But their audience, their constituency, even their core market, if you will, in in more economic sense, is still the local fan. And therefore, you see more and more people talking about it from the top. You see more people saying we should change it, but we haven't really seen any groundswell of opinion to support that. And without that, I don't think people, I don't think anything will change. And in a way, the Freiburg and Union story might make it more difficult for the Bundesliga to change or those who want to change because it basically says, look, we, we don't have to change because by not having these investors, Yes, you have a dominance from Bayern who've played the game better than others and then there's Dortmund and there's a big gap. But look what, what, what happens in this gap. This gap creates the space for a well-run club with lower budgets to actually succeed and suddenly play in the Europa League, if not the Champions League next season. And I think because of the season being so good, it will actually set back that debate about revolution or at least reform for a couple of years but he'll set it back in the sense of Seb if they don't win it they fill the gap as as Raf said but Bayern still win it so as long as long as someone fills a gap every two or three years then it could be spun that everything is everything is good with the world and successful with the world yeah and it also seems to me like that's kind of part of the formation of German football you all these teams are always rising and falling so if you look at the Bundesliga table this morning You'll see, you know, Bayer Leverkusen in, in mid-table. Wolfsburg, not quite where they were under Oliver Glasner a few years ago. You'll see Mönchengladbach being, I, I have no idea what Gladbach are, They're just baffling from week to week. Um, a very, very strange club. But And I think part of this comes from every club in the country other than Bayern Munich as a selling club. So what you get is a kind of, almost like a, a rented cast every couple of years. And depending on how well that group of players gels, that determines performance. And because... Um, No matter how many gurus and uh, recruitment experts and data consultants you have, nobody's recruitment is ever going to be perfect. And so you have this great big space where, yeah, teams can rise and fall. And I I only speak for me when I say this. I like it because I, I like that having come from English football and I spent a long time working in English football. I got very jaded with the formation. Um, it's kind of like a, a Formula One grid, isn't it? You know where everyone's going to be. And yeah, maybe like a, a couple of people at the top of the grid change places and someone finishes third or third. In German football, I feel like there's always something to get your teeth into. That exists in the Bundesliga. certainly exists in the Zweite Bundesliga, where I would say maybe the, sort of the top four sides um, there year to year are probably better than the teams above them in the Bundesliga and the kind of the bottom places. And so you have something different. Are you uh, are you saying that because Hamburg is second and you live in Hamburg? I'm saying nothing of the sort. As someone who lives between <laughs> half a family that support Haasvau and a wife who supports St. Pauli, I'm saying nothing whatsoever. Right, I'm a well-wisher okay. for all Hamburg football equally. Don't you put words in my mouth, Mark Chapman. Um, I, I, I just think it's kind of interesting so that when I, when I, when I go to a game, when I turn on the television, 
I don't really know what I'm going to see. And I think this is a great selling point of German football for an outsider. I can't speak for someone who's grown up in Germany, but for someone who's come from where I've come from, it's something that I've really gravitated towards and it's helped um, It's helped develop my interest and spark my enthusiasm in a way that had I moved to France, had I moved to maybe Italy five years ago during Juve's dominance, uh, had I moved from Germany to England, I don't think it would have been quite the same. Do you feel, and your experience of going to games in Germany, do you feel like you are treated better do you feel like I, i'm talking mm-hmm. as a fan mm-hmm. here not as a member of the yeah. media do you feel like you are treated more like an adult are you more valued i don't know how i would best describe I'm, it. I'm not treated like i'm doing something wrong right so when you go to english football yes. and depending on where you go i'm not gonna sort of um say that you know english football is homogenous so in fact it's definitely not but you always feel like you're doing something slightly subversive i think we can all relate to that and german football is not a utopia there are fan problems, there are social problems, and I think they're quite well documented. What I would say is that um, when you, I mean, I, I've been to only five different grounds, so forgive me, but you feel like you, you're you in, in, engaged in something. You're not on the verge of being clattered by a riot shield, or you're not about to be kettled by somebody or by, you know, some people. Like It feels like you're engaged in a day out, which is for everybody. That's really refreshing. And what, what I also say about, obviously I, I come from it from two angles, fan and I get taken to games by, you know, at the, the Volkspark Stadium by my brother-in-law or, I, you know, wherever else I go to the Milan tour. When I go to places as a member of the media, I find German football very refreshing in its openness. That might be because there's a novelty to me with my, you know, um, terrible English accented German. Possibly people just feel, feel sorry for me maybe. But um, they... When you show an interest and you're willing to learn about the history and you want to kind of find out about things, people are very open in a way that I never found English football to be. And that might be because of my status as a journalist, like more important people would have got better access in, in England. I'm, I'm certain of that. But it's been very refreshing. It's like, come on in and learn about the football. And, and there's a, there's a, there's a, I would say a pride about, for instance, I'm going down to, to, to Gelsenkirchen to, to learn a little bit about Schalke next week. And, you know, I, I, um, it's different. And it's it's kind of it's a bit I found it a bit more welcoming. More welcoming than I expected it to. I, I thought I'd be treated a bit more as, as an outsider. Whereas in, in fact, come on in, basically seems to be the mantra on both sides of that fence. I mean, Rafi, you've got the, 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 the foot in both camps, I suppose, haven't you? You do a lot of stuff with the, with English football and with German football. Does that ring true? What subset is German football more open? Yes, of think it is probably true and I think it has to do with the structures of the club um, of the clubs because German clubs because of that uh, democratic organization a degree of accountability elections they feel they are almost sort of an, a local institution so from time to time you have to tell your members what is going on and that leads to you know a communication strategy where it's not just the manager speaking but um, the sporting director will speak almost every week or at least 10 days to have give you more sort of a, a bigger picture of what's going on he will talk about problems that go beyond what the coach has to deal with then sometimes the chairman will speak then sometimes you might have uh, some of the former players who are still have some kind of role within the club so these are kind of organisms with different voices an expectation that these people speak to you, that you cannot hide behind a manager, that you cannot just uh, not talk. Uh, and in England, which is a much more secretive country to begin with, and the best example is always, you know, in Germany, you have names on houses, 
on the doorbells in England, you don't. Um, <laughs> there is um, the sense this why should we talk to anyone? You know, we'd be crazy to talk to people. <laughs> let's let's talk as little as yeah. possible because um, otherwise, you know, who might what happen? Now, in fairness, I think some clubs are, are, are much more open and better at communicating, but they will do so through briefings anonymously. You don't see people from the club ever talking to the fans, ever addressing big issues. It's unconceiv- inconceivable that a club of Bayern Munich's size would be, let's say, going through a takeover if it was possible. And you wouldn't hear from these people for decades. It's just a very different different culture. And I think it all goes back to the way that the clubs are set up, which is like democratic institutions, really, at least on paper. Lovely to talk to you both. If you're not already a subscriber, then the offer at the moment is £1.99 a month for 12 months. Just go to theathletic.com slash football pod. Thanks for listening. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.